on cornerofthegalaxy.com. It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box, the show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on a Monday, March 1st, into March, start of the LA Galaxy's preseason camp. Voluntary reporting today. I can tell you that voluntarily, it looks like most of the LA Galaxy were at camp today. We're going to talk a whole bunch about that camp. Uh, we're going to talk about Greg Vanny. We're going to talk about the media call that we had with uh, with Greg Vanny and some other players as well. And we have a uh, an actual rumor, a, a one ready to rock and to go. Uh, should be expecting some signings here shortly. So we got a bunch to talk about in order to help me do all that is Mr. Kevin Baxter. Kev, how you doing, buddy? You hanging in there? Yeah. Uh, hey, I want to talk about the meaning of the word voluntary in a minute. But, but first, did you know, this is news, uh, you might have heard this yesterday, Bob Bradley and Greg Vanny are not the coaches, uh, soccer coaches in L.A. who have won trophies this year. Oh, uh, really? And and which which soccer coach would that be? Ted Ted Lasso won Ted, a trophy last night. Ted Lasso, uh, the, the man, uh, the philosopher. Uh, I read your article in the L.A. Times, and uh, having known you, uh, and knowing your your affinity for Ted Lasso and then your affinity for two particular jokes, I was proud to see you got both of those jokes uh, into oh, your story. Yeah. And, and Ted Ted Lasso called Bob Bradley and Greg Vanny today to commiserate and say, be a goldfish. Be a goldfish. That's right. Short memory. Yeah. The, that was fun. Uh, that's, that's one of those things we have looked at uh, uh, in, in this household. We've now watched it two times through. Um, I think we're getting ready for for three before they're you know as they're re- recording and 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 doing uh, season number two. So I have my uh, I know it's hard to see, and for those of you just listening on the podcast, uh, I have my Diamond Dog shirt on as well to celebrate uh, Ted Lasso's win. So uh, you know all all good stuff there, and uh, I'm glad that there's going to be another season because uh, my wife uh, surprisingly is probably one of the bigger fans of Ted Lasso um, and can't wait for it to come back on. Uh, and she generally wants nothing to do with soccer most of the time because you know I kind of overload her with that can you imagine me overloading somebody with soccer talk well that that show has nothing to do with soccer anyways it's 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 a life he's a life coach he's not a soccer coach yes yeah you're 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 not wrong so all right um let's get to some la galaxy news and there was a lot of it which thank the heavens that be 
because uh, Kevin, I I don't know about you, but I'm tired of talking about things that um, that like we had two things to talk about, and I needed to make it into an hour long show. I'm t- I'm glad that's not the case. We have multiple things to talk about today. Uh, the first thing that I want to sort of get through is the jersey launch, um, and I want to clean up just the the final spots, the final little things on the jersey launch. Uh, I talked with the LA Galaxy again about the Rajo kit number. I know we talked about it on Thursday, but I'm going to reiterate it again. Uh, For those of you who ordered from the Team LA store, uh, no Rajo kits with the number 22 were printed at all by the store. Um, The Galaxy told me this. Um, So all the Rajo kits coming out of the Team LA store shipping will have the number two on them. If you ordered from MLSstore.com, that was where we were getting messages from people who worked at MLSstore.com. They were sort of coming back and saying, uh, you know, you guys, uh, we need... uh, it's it's basically like if you ordered it as the 22, it was going to ship as the 22. The LA Galaxy tell me that those should be fixed, that you shouldn't have that problem anymore, and that basically the LA Galaxy will go ahead um, and and you should get the number two from Araujo, even from the MLS store. That one, I think, is still a little bit on shaky ground just because of the fact, Kevin, it comes from a giant warehouse um, and not necessarily something the LA Galaxy can control. This is more like league control. And uh, yeah, I mean, you might you might want the 22 Araujo throwback yeah that's a new jersey that's right it's it's a new throwback jersey it's one of those uh weird um like kit misprint things that end up being worth a lot of money or something like that so collector's item yeah exactly so like um, i got a sacramento republic scarf yeah oh it says mls 2022 yeah and and now you're like i don't know I don't know. Yeah, um, that's a that's a fun one. Let's talk about that real quick, just because it's it's sort of a throwaway news nugget we were going to add in there, um, and it was going to be down at the bottom. It was going to be nothing. But um, if you've been following Sacramento Republic, and it does have an LA Galaxy link, which is why we we've been talking about that. But basically, their chief financial backer, the guy who was going to spend all the money um, and back their bid into Major League Soccer, decided to pack up his stuff and go home. Uh, he took all his money with him whenever he did that as well. And so Sacramento Republic's bid now to enter. Major League Soccer is kind of in a holding pattern, and it's it's worse than just in a holding pattern. Unless they find another rich guy with rich or rich woman, I don't want to be I don't want to discriminate. They need a rich person, Kevin, uh, with a whole bag of money to come in and give them a whole bag of money, and that whole bag of money will will then allow the Sacramento Republic to to continue their expansion process with Major League Soccer. So when are you stepping up? When are you gonna? Yeah. When are you gonna write that check? Yeah. Uh huh. Yep. That's the it. guy you're talking about. By the way, you can mention his name, Ronald Burkle. He's Pomona-born businessman. Um, my understanding is he never even paid the MLS expansion fee, which is pretty unusual because MLS loves to tout that they, as soon as they reach agreement with an expansion city, they talk about, oh, it's a two hundred million dollar expansion fee, or in, in say in LAFC's case, one hundred twenty-five million. They talk about that money. That check was never written. I mean, they were talking about trying to build a stadium. They were talking about their team colors, all these things. They never paid the expansion fee. So Ronald Burkle walked away. He didn't need to, to – I don't think he needs to get any money back. I think he walks away free and clear. And, uh, you know, they have potential stadium deals uh, on the table. They have – the, the mayor of Sacramento jumped through a lot of hoops to sort of make this happen. And MLS said they are not walking away from Sacramento, but they, they did intimate that the process is starting over again, which means other cities can jump in there. Very, it's it's just such an interesting part. The the LA Galaxy tied to this, of course, is that uh, the general manager for Sacramento Republic uh, was Todd Donovan, former LA Galaxy defender. Um, he has now been promoted to president 
of Sacramento Republic after the the current president uh, stepped down today. So um, Todd Donovan named uh, president of Sacramento Republic. That's really interesting because I have to imagine on a whole like short list of people who might be considered Kevin in the future as a prospect for an LA Galaxy front office position that Todd Donovan and what he has done both when he was with the club, the LA Galaxy, um, and now what he's done sort of away from uh, the LA Galaxy with being in the front office and having the smarts for that um, is probably high on that short list. Should a position open up of, you know, a president or an acting vice president or, or something like that, some way to get him into the front office, Todd Donovan, I guarantee you, is is at the top of that short list. Well, yeah. And, and look, I mean, Chris Klein played for the Galaxy. Now he's the, the team president. Pete Viennes was a GM, played for the Galaxy. Um, you know, Greg Vanny coming back, played for the Galaxy. Um, uh Todd Donovan fits that. He played for the Galaxy, won MLS Cups with the Galaxy, has a Stanford economics degree, business degree. Um, you know, he certainly ticks all those boxes. Would be a guy that would come back, would understand the history, understands the dollars and cents, knows how to balance a checkbook, um, all those things that the Galaxy need. By the way, one thing about Sacramento, too, it's just not the MLS team. There was an NWSL team that was supposed to expand uh, or open play in Sacramento. I'm not sure whether that team was 2022 with the men's team are 2023, but uh, there was supposed to be a women's team as well. So we don't know the, uh, you know, what the situation is with the NWSL team as well. Yeah, it, it throws a lot of things up into qu- into question. But anyway, wanted to uh, say congratulations to Todd Donovan. He's a friend of the show um, and just a really smart guy. So, uh, like I said, you know, keep an eye. This is if this is a chessboard. Look, look three or four moves ahead, um, and I, I think you could see Todd Donovan one day being in the LA Galaxy front office. It makes a lot of sense. So, uh, having said that, back to a little bit of the kit news. Uh, the LA Galaxy and MLS sort of provided a little bit of context into how successful the LA Galaxy's community kit launch was. Uh, I, I was I was able to get some information. Remember, this is MLS. Remember, it's the Galaxy. Remember that it, it necessarily isn't always a hundred percent transparent, or uh, it's more opaque than anything else. But anyway, the LA, yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah. Speaking of kits, the Bear has a different kit. Yeah, I, the Bear is. That, that's actually a Cosmo jersey. Uh, whenever Cosmo came to the uh, to the COG studio. Uh, he actually uh, uh, signed a, a jersey for, for the COG uh, staff there. And so that is a Co- Cosmito. Actually, that one's Cosmito um, jersey there. So the Bear is wearing a Cosmo jersey, which, it, I mean, you know, that could you could run circles around your head trying to figure out that uh, that lineage and how that works. Um, but yeah. So you've gone from the COG studio to the COG bedroom, basically. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. I, okay. I, I, I will say that, and I don't know if I've said this out loud to people, but I think that the, po- the, the probability of me ever going back to the COG studio, at least with having a, a you know a young kid right now, is probably pretty minimal. My wife is pretty pretty strong stance on, on that right now. So um, the goal is eventually to have a home studio set up. So um, over the next year or so, hopefully we can get something like that set up. And you know I'm all for building a set in the garage and and doing it like that. I mean you know let's go cable access local TV cable access show. I'm all about that Wayne's World. Um, yeah, basically we can pull that off. We'll go back to the studio because I could if, if, if I could get Ted Lasso to call your wife mm-hmm. and ask ask her to let you go back to the studio. If Ted Lasso did that, do you think she'd 
she'd let you go? No, no, no. no. I mean, go? Okay. She, she would be very excited to talk to Ted Lasso, um, for sure. Uh, but I don't think that would sway her and her convictions on that. She would just think it was okay. really cool she got to talk to Ted Lasso. So um, I'm all for, by the way, Ted Lasso wants to call into the show. He's more than welcome to do that. You know that. Uh, somebody said, hey, how can I get that Richmond FC jersey or the AFC Richmond jersey? And I said, I said, well, I go, you know, I thought I did a pretty good job. I do have the LA Times soccer report, reporter on my podcast. If that doesn't get me an AFC Richmond jersey, I don't know what does but you don't you didn't even get sent one i didn't either. get one yeah everyone read the story this morning and i got a bunch of comments oh you got the swag bag from uh from apple plus i did not yes my wife bought me uh afc richmond gear for valentine's day that's the kind of wife i have yes uh mrs panda went out and dropped some serious coin on some afc richmond stuff for valentine's day which is also sad because that's what she thinks is the valentine's day present so <laughs> it's good and it's bad at the same time but yeah no i uh apparently that is for social influencers only and i am not a social i i influence things the wrong way but i am working on getting somebody from the show on the pod i was okay. told that that they know we want somebody and right now now they're a little busy taping shows okay all right well you know hey i don't you know what the last thing i want to do is interrupt them taping shows that I need those shows. So the sooner those can get here, that's that, that's better. So that's fine. Uh, the Galaxy said, basically, and, and this is also from MLS as well about the jerseys. The Galaxy said uh, that this is the second biggest selling jersey launch, uh, defined basically as the first 48 hours of any MLS team over the last two years, including expansion teams. Uh, MLS has not released who that number one team is. Uh, I asked. Uh, I, we don't know who it is, but it's only two years. And so you have to try to think of who had like a really big kit in the last two years. Um, I, I don't know, I, you know, did Atlanta always has a bunch of bodies to buy things. So it was one of the questions, maybe Atlanta, maybe it was Miami. Um, I don't think it was Nashville. I, I like my Nashville peeps, but I don't think it was them. So it, it's just, it's weird to try to guess that, but we don't know the answer to that. Um, the galaxy sold over two times as many jerseys in the first 24 hours as they did in the first 30 days of the previous three kit launches. Um, I don't know, Kevin, to me, that one says more about the quality of kits they launched more than than just how successful this one was. Not only was it the right kit at the right time, but it was a good looking kit at the right time. And so seeing the other ones in the last three, I mean, you know, there was a lot of argument over the last three kits that were announced about whether or not people liked it. I, I really don't see that much argument about this community kit. So it, it makes sense that this would outsell all of those, but it outsold them in the first 24 hours uh, versus the first 30 days of the last three. That's an incredible number. You know why it's surprising to me is it's a great looking kit. You and I have talked about this and you've tried to educate me on this whole thing, this whole phenomenon. It's a great looking kit. But what I didn't understand is you can't go to a game. You may not be able to go to a game until the summer, if then. So the idea of getting that kit first, um, there, there's no deadline. You're, you're like, you can't wear it to a game until August. So why did you have to have it in February? One, and I told you this because MLS is <laughs> I horrible. <laughs> I, I, I'm actually surprised after I, I sort of, you know, sort of admonished you and I said, you know, this is this is why. And I explained it to you. I'm surprised you brought it up on the podcast because people are going to be this is when people go, gonna, I'm turning it off. Me. Yeah, it's just, me, yeah, it's just it's one is because MLS and the LA Galaxy are horrible at judging demand. Right. And so you could think that Adidas is just going to keep printing jerseys and printing jerseys. They're not. All right. So I guarantee you at the no, there's a limited demand, a there, limited there number is. of jerseys. Now, now, okay. now listen, 
that being said, this is going to be around for two years. This isn't a third kit problem that we had, um, you know, with a lot of the, um, like some of the third kits only got printed for one year, right? Because those third kits were only one year sort of uh, viable on that. This is So there are going to be two years of this jersey. That's something you can look at and say, okay, well, they'll, they'll adjust for demand next year at the very least. And that's probably a good argument. But the bottom line is that everybody likes this kit so much that everybody wanted to be the first person to have it in their hands, taking pictures with it and wearing it. And because it's so linked to the 1997 Jersey, it's, it's, it's something to do. It's something to be excited about. Sophie got it a hundred percent right on Thursday night, which was the kit launch and everything just sort of made things feel normal for a little while and everybody going after it and everybody trying to get it and making sure that they got it. And you know, all those things, um, that all mattered. And so, yeah, there was a frenzy. It was a feeding frenzy. People saw other people getting it. People saw how excited they were. They wanted to get it. But after two years, this kid is never going to be produced again. And if you're any sort of, I think, galaxy collecting fan, you're going to want at least one and maybe two and maybe three or four of these to hang in your closet. Because as we've all seen, go try to find, you know, a 1997 kit right now on eBay. You can't do it. Yeah, you can. That's not wrong. Uh, You can find them. But they're expensive, Kevin. They're worth 250 bucks now, you know, uh, 300 bucks. So the, in many ways, they've doubled in, in price. I mean, certainly you look at these ones being almost $180 in some cases uh, if you got them from uh, from the Team LA store. Um, but they should hold their value. People know kit collectors got in on this one. I mean, people who aren't necessarily LA Galaxy fans got in on this one. So there was a lot of, lot of drive behind this. And I think it was something for people to do. And there is going to be limited quality. There may be a whole bunch of them produced. That way, MLS and LA Galaxy can make a whole bunch of money in the next two years. But after those two years, it goes away. It's not coming back again. So that's that's sort of the idea behind all this. All right. Does that, does that make any sense? Yeah, I just, I, it, it just feels and you explained it. It feels like there's an artificial demand created. Um, and that's probably a good marketing idea. But you know that if this thing sells out, and it did sell out, yes, uh, Adidas is just going to say, forget it, no, no more, we're not making any more. They're going to make more. They will. They're going to make a lot more. They'll make some more. They will never, trust me, they just don't, they did not understand. The Galaxy didn't understand. Adidas did not understand the 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 hoopla, the the demand behind this. Um, Maybe they'll correct. Maybe they'll flood the market with these things. Maybe we'll be buying them at TJ Maxx. Um, in two years for for ten dollars, like we saw some of the Night Navy uh, glitch kits being sold for ten dollars, authentic kits for ten dollars at TJ Maxx. Um, but luckily, Galaxy fans ran in there and bought all those. You know what? From what I hear, read on the Discord and hear from fans and stuff, just talking, I think what would really be a big seller is if they changed the the jersey front sponsor. I mean, I, there seems to be a little bit of a pushback. I, if for one thing. Uh, People don't seem to like the Jersey Front sponsor, but it's been there forever. Yeah. And to give it a real new look, if they changed, I, I don't know what they would change it to. That would, that would. My wife and I were talking today about the Subway logo, the sandwich shop. That would be a good looking logo in front of a shirt. Don't I, you think? I think. <laughs> I no. think. I think everybody. Eat fresh. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think everybody <laughs> is sort of, uh, sort of in love with either a Tesla one or a, an In and Out one, something that's local to to sort of In and Out would be. Would be and that would be a good looking logo too. Yeah, it wouldn't be bad. Again, I don't, you know, as far as I'm concerned, uh, you know, $44 million from Herbalife still, still spends a lot. I don't love it. I don't love the connections. Uh, but at this point, I'll, you know, I think if LA Galaxy fans are paying attention, the $44 million that you're getting, the $4.4 million a year, um, is a significant amount of money that you're able to put into the club um, and do those things. Uh, let's get to, yeah, go ahead. Last, last, 
I, I, I like the old Seattle Seahawks Xbox jersey front. I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, the Sounders Xbox one? Sounders. Yeah. Yes. What did I say? Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks. Yeah, Sounders. Yeah, same thing. Whatever. Oh. That same stadium. It all gets mixed together. Football. No, I like the old Xbox one. I thought the Xbox one was kind of classic, and it was there for a lot of seasons. I like that one. It, that was, I, I anyway. think that, in, in overall terms of sponsors, that's not horrible. I, I think the honey, it's funny, because uh, the one thing that is still sort of hanging out over LA Galaxy and MLS right now is that the authentics that are being provided, Kevin, do not have, most of them don't have the honey honey um, logo patch on it. Um, and then uh, we have not seen an MLS badge on that kit yet. And that's an interesting thing. There are, usually if you buy an authentic, you get an MLS badge. If you if you are watching the video feed of this, you can see the MLS badge on the jersey that the bear is wearing. There's an MLS badge. In fact, that jersey has two of them, one on each shoulder. Um, there's supposed to be a honey logo on the right shoulder, and then on the left shoulder, you should have the MLS badge. And as of right now, the MLS badges are not showing up on those. It's a weird thing to do if you're going to call things authentic, Kevin. They need to look like the jerseys the players are wearing. Otherwise, why? Otherwise, you can't call it an authentic. So um, I think the LA Galaxy are going to have questions to answer about this, and it may not be their fault. Um, and I think Adidas and MLS are going to have to have questions because in a lot of pictures, the MLS badge is missing from um, a lot of different teams' kits. So uh, the MLS badge is an important sort of way to look at these and say, that's an authentic jersey, and you know it. I would be... I wouldn't be thrilled, I think, if the LA Galaxy and Team LA Store sold those patches and there is talk about uh, the Team LA Store selling the honey patch so that way you can get the logo on the sleeve um, and get that printed. And so that way, you're, you're, again, your, your jersey looks just like the one the players are wearing. Um, but I haven't seen anything about the MLS badges. And if the MLS gets rid of the badges completely, that's one thing. Um, but that doesn't seem to be the case. And so if there's a difference between the Authentics, Kevin, uh, and the team-worn or player-worn or game-worn jersey, uh, there will be a revolt in, in Major League Soccer, and they will end up having to sell those patches, and then everybody will complain that they're selling something that everybody should have gotten included with their jersey. I know it's a small well, thing, but it, it's a thing. The, the MLS ba uh, patch and the badge is definitely going away because they're starting to sell the left sleeve now right. with some teams. So that, and, and I don't know how they do that. I think they're allowing eight teams to do that. So do the other 19 teams then have the MLS badge on their sleeves and um, teams that are allowed to sell advertising, then they don't. I mean, I think there has to be something uniform about the uniform. Yeah. Um, Look at you. Uh, see, what, and you see what I did there? Your wordplay, Kevin Baxter. Very good. All right. Um, let's get a little bit to uh, the LA Galaxy and the return to optional training. Um, the LA Galaxy uh, did have their first day of training or showing some some b-roll of that if you're uh, paying attention to uh, any of our, our video stuff that we're doing but um, the b-roll is there and the LA Galaxy uh, out to training so they had their first day of training Kevin this is after everybody had their physicals over the weekend uh, they went already through their quarantine process if they were able to do that get through their quarantine process get through their physicals uh, be medically cleared to be able to play then um, as a, a player you could go and jump into the group training today and if you got if you weren't cleared yet and you didn't have all of that um, then you would have to go ahead and uh, and practice off to the side and sort of the individual session that was going on but from what I have seen on the videos and sort of what we have seen of, of the different things in the team and I, we don't know this for sure Kevin it looks like most of the guys showed up today for optional training 
Yeah, which it, you talked about, you made a big point at the beginning uh, in the lead-in about voluntary. Uh, the definition of voluntary means you don't have to do it, but this is a little bit more than voluntary. I think this is like the old, uh, you know, off-season training camps in the NFL where it wasn't mandatory, but it was mandatory. And if you didn't come, you got in trouble. This kind of feels a little bit like that. And, and it, you know, that's fine. I think everybody that's on the field there wants to be there. I don't think anyone had a gun pointed at their head. A lot of these guys haven't played since uh, early November. They wanted to be back. And so that's all fine. But the idea that it's voluntary for whatever reason, everybody was there. Most of these guys, I know Chicharito and, and Dos Santos and Sebastian Legette, a lot of these guys have been working out for uh, multiple weeks at, uh, at the Dignity Health Sports Park. They, as you said, they they passed their physicals. They've done the COVID testing. They had to uh, have, I think, a week-long quarantine. So they've been around a while. This may have been called voluntary, but I think everybody was expected to be there. I think everybody was there. And I think anybody who wasn't better have, have a pretty good reason why they missed the voluntary workout. So was it really voluntary? I, I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's certainly something to that. And you're right. On that B-roll, where are they training? It doesn't look like they're on the front fields anymore. Yeah, I think they're still on the front fields. I think I think they are. They they took a picture, I think it was yesterday or something like that, where it showed them taking pictures from the U.S. soccer fields, which is where uh, they train okay. train out in front. Um, I believe that's, that's, that's still correct. But yeah, I, I think they're... Yeah, in, you see the trees, but there's another shot there that showed, like, buildings behind them and I didn't recognize. Yeah, it, it very well could. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, you have these guys into optional training. Um, you got some guys uh, out there. I think Greg Vanny was talking about how he goes, you know, I think most of these guys are like me. We just needed to get out on the field and get some energy out of the way. Um, you know, there's a lot of pent up stuff that sort of comes from the off season. Um, so then after, after training today, uh, basically we had a, a quick media call, um, with everybody. So that way we could sort of, uh, you know, get an idea. Uh, Greg Vanny, LA galaxy head coach was first, uh, Jonathan Del Santos spoke, Sebastian Legette spoke. I think we'll talk mostly about what Greg Vanny was saying. Um, you know, he sort of started things and I do have one expert excerpt from, uh, the media call that I want to play, but, uh, just to talk about it, he started things and basically said, you know, the energy and, and excitement was great. Uh, he commented Kevin on how, uh, everybody came into the, uh, to the, to the training camp, uh, in, they were all in good shape. And he sort of said, you know, the fact that these guys came in in shape means I don't have to do a whole bunch of running with them in order to just get them in shape. They're already in shape. Now it's about playing soccer. He goes, you know, so we went out on the field and we were working on stuff today. You know, it's not like, hey, this is how we're going to play. This is how we're going to do things, blah, 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 the whole deal. But it was a little bit of hey, you know, let's get out there and start playing. Let's start working. This is day one. Uh, the LA Galaxy posted a video uh, on their Instagram, and it's probably on Twitter as well, but they had Greg Vanny, Kevin, talking to the guys about, um, they're, they're in the the uh, the TV studio where we always have our post-game press conferences, or I guess in normal times, that's where we used to have our press conferences. Um, and they had everybody in there. They had all the guys, they're all sitting in the rows where we normally sit, uh, and you had Greg Vanny up top, and he goes, he goes welcome back, and he, you know, and, and he sort of, uh, hinted and he goes he goes well I guess he goes actually you guys should be saying welcome to to us we're the new guys here uh and then he went over and he says this is day one of you know our work to setting a new standard in major league soccer um it's a really interesting speech because he talks about setting a new standard Kevin and he goes we don't even know what that standard is but we know when we get there um we'll know what it is and we know that when we reach it there's still more work to do um so it was 
I don't know. You know, you, you, you talk about being able to motivate guys. We talked about Guillermo Barrascoleto probably not being the best communicator with the guys. Uh, we've talked about how maybe his tactics and his organization was not the best. Here you have somebody like Greg Vanny who's sitting there saying, this is day one of, of the stuff and uh, a really interesting sort of things. We either do things that make us uh, more successful on the field or we do things that take away from making us more successful on the field. There's no neutral in between that. He, he basically says, he goes, there's no neutral in that. You're either doing stuff to make yourself better or you're doing stuff that's going to make you worse. And we need to make sure we're doing stuff to make us better. I, th- I think that just in terms of how he's setting it up from day one, he seems to have a plan. And I don't know, uh, speaking to Jonathan Dos Santos, speaking to Sebastian Legette afterwards, they seem to be a fan of Greg Vanny very early on. Now, everybody's going to say they're a fan of the coach, you know, in the first day of training, whenever it's the new coach, Kevin. But at the same time, they could say a lot of things um, that aren't as enthusiastic as maybe they, they sound right now. Well, I, I mean, I, I think the messenger is as important as the message. If Bruce Arena says that, uh, you know, it resonates. If Greg Vanny says that, it resonates. Why? Because they've been there. They've done that. They've had success. Um you know, the, the words just sound different. And and this is no knock on anybody, but I think Kurt Anoffel could have said the same thing. And people are looking to say, well, you need to prove yourself first. Um, you know, you need to show us that these, uh, you know, that your ideas work. Uh, you know, Bruce Arena proved that. And Greg Vanny definitely has a, a, a big time honeymoon period where he can say a lot of things that may or may not make sense to players, but players are going to take him at his word and they're going to do what he asks and they're going to work hard for him because he comes in with that resume. He's, he's a winner. He's won everywhere he's been as a player, as a coach. Um, and so they're going to believe, him. yeah, it was a great speech, but it also carries the weight of, of, of what he's accomplished as well. Yeah, it, it, it certainly does. Uh, it's just, it, it's so interesting to hear everybody, um, you know, sort of go about this. So uh, Vanny came in. He, like you said, uh, the guys came in fit and ready to go. Vanny was talking about how the team was going to play right away and just sort of, you know, he's trying to set up for for the foundation of this. I think Damian asked him, you know, hey, did you did you get into at all, you know, how how you're going to set up things, how you're going to play? And he's like, listen, it was the first day, mostly trying to get some energy out. But yeah, I mean, you know, there were things we talked about when we were on the field about how the L.A. Galaxy want to play. And he goes, and so that was something uh, that we sort of uh, sort of started with. And he goes, and we're going to lay the foundation tomorrow, basically coming in the next day. He says, we're going to lay that foundation. We're going to go out there. Uh, you know, we're going to start to execute some of those plans. Uh, the LA Galaxy right now planning on training Monday through Thursday. Uh, guys right now have Friday off. Uh, it doesn't show anything on the weekends, uh, so I don't know if they're going to adjust the schedule for Saturday and Sunday as well. Um, but as of right now, it's Monday through Thursday for voluntary training. Um, and so you're going to see most of the guys training that. Now, you know that um, that not I, I already know of one person who's not there, and we can talk about that here in just a little bit. But a lot of different things uh, that, that sort of went on with Greg Vanny. I don't want to finish up with him before we jump into any of that other stuff. Uh, it was interesting. He talked about uh, Javier Hernandez and Jonathan Dos Santos, Kevin, being the veteran voices. And he says, because, you know, they put in a ton of work into the offseason. So, you know, I, I think there's a respect level there, both from Vanny and from the other players to sort of sit there and say, hey, you know, you know, Jonathan Dos Santos and Chicharito are sort of our, our, our leaders right now. These are the guys who are going to lead us. And he even talked about uh, a little bit about their 
different sort of styles, which is Javi is sort of out there yelling at people during the play and doing things. And he goes, and Jonathan Dos Santos is usually busy, you know, playing. And so whenever the whistle stops, that's whenever he goes over to guys and he sort of says, hey, this is how I want to do things. You know, let's do this. And so he goes, that's the, the those the kind of leadership that, that they're showing and that the guys are respecting. He talked about Sasha Kleshin as well. So, I mean, we talk about leadership as such a question, Kevin. It seems like Greg Vanny is trying to go ahead and, and cement that here rather early, saying that, you know, Javier Hernandez and Jonathan Dos Santos seem to be those those clubhouse voices. Well, I got a bunch on, on that one. He uh, When I talked to Vanny a couple weeks ago about Jonathan Dos Santos, and I said, he was your captain. Um, is he going to be the captain again? And he said, I haven't decided yet. Certainly he's a leader, but he wanted everyone to know that that's open. Right. Um, you talk about Kleshin. He's definitely here. He was brought in to be a clubhouse leader. Uh, he was brought back to be a clubhouse leader. But interesting, Dennis DeClosa, when I talked to him about uh, um, Viafania, Jorge Viafania, talked a lot about his leadership. And he said, one thing I wanted from from uh, Jorge is he said, I looked at the Portland team last year and, you know, they won the MLS's back tournament. And a number of things that they went through was a difficult season. And he was the guy that was the leader of that team. It, with all the veteran guys they had, it was Viafania was the guy that spoke up and held that team together. And he said, that's a big reason why I went out to get him. So leadership is definitely a big thing. You talk about Chicharito. I'm going to predict a big year for Chicharito. You know I'm a big Chicharito guy. I, I had modest expectations last year, and he didn't come close to those. So I'm not going to tout him this year. But I will say if anybody is going to benefit from Greg Vanny coming in, it's Chicharito. Why? Because he has a blank slate. Uh, Vanny did not see him at all last year. They never played. Toronto didn't play. It was the uneven schedule. He doesn't know any – he can look at the stats and just see Chicharito had a bad season, but he doesn't know anything about it. Chicharito starts all over again. That's the best thing you can have if you're a player like him and you say, look, I screwed up. I want to make it better. You've got to have a guy that's not going to keep coming to you and saying, uh, you're doing better than last year. This is what you did bad, poorly last year. That last year doesn't exist for Greg Vanny. That is great for Chicharito. And the last thing I wanted to say, you talk about whether Vanny's working on things. We don't know what his style of play is going to be. We know what, how he played in Toronto, certainly. But there were a couple of uh, interesting things that may give us a hint. One is Sebastian Legette did say today, that he feels like in talking to Vanny and, and seeing him on the field, that he feels like he's going to play the same kind of position and same, he's going to have the same expectations he does for Greg Berhalter with the national team. And we know how they play, play it out of the back, push up front, uh, both backs become wingers, uh, both outside backs become wingers, the defensive midfielder and the center back stay back. Um, that appears to be the kind of uh, offense that he wants. A couple other tips for that. He wants to hire a defense. He wants to sign a, defensive midfielder so that Jonathan Dos Santos can be box to box contribute to the attack. That's another thing that uh, Berhalter's offense does. And then finally, the last piece again, Viafania. I don't know how much you know about him. I watched him a lot at uh, Portland. He has a really great left footed cross from that left wing. Um, I think he's going to be a big part of the offense. I, you know, Dennis can talk about the leadership skills all he wants and I'm sure that that's valid. But uh, he is a, an offensive left back, or has been, and can be. I think um, you're going to see uh, a very aggressive uh, offense from Greg Vanny. I think you're going to see the outside backs, Araujo and Viafania, pushing forward. 
And I think Sebastian Legette's right. I think he's going to uh, play a much bigger part in the offense than he did last season because it's that Burhalter type offense that Greg Vanny's bringing in. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see how that all sort of uh, fits into itself. Um, I wanted to uh, to get to one of Greg Vanny's uh, quotes here, and we'll go ahead and and play it for you. Um, but this was my question to him, sort of asking about the rosters, and then we can sort of finish up on on more of what uh, Greg Vanny says. But uh, before we go too far, I wanted to get uh, Greg Vanny's uh, response to my question, my follow up here uh, for the uh, for the media call today. So here he is. I think we are between six and eight players left to, to continue to add to this group. Uh, you know, some of the younger players are are getting a lot of experience with us and training, but we want them to play games that won't always be with us. So some will continue to get their games at, at uh, G2. Um, and again, like I said, we still want to add to that, that veteran core that's kind of in their 20s, probably mid-20s with three, four, five, six, seven years, so we can build some longevity with this group. And once we lay down the foundation, we have a group of guys that, that hopefully can be here for a while. And so um, <clears throat> obviously positionally and the qualities that we're looking for, we're being very specific. That's part of why this process is taking a little bit of time. It's not just any opportunity that shows up. We're looking for very specific qualities to fit into the group that we believe can uh, help take us to the level that we need to be mm -hmm. at. So. Um, all of those targets are there. We're, we're making progress with all of them, and it's just, like I said, it's getting, uh, getting over the final hurdles and getting guys uh, signed and here and into training so that they can start integrating together as a group. Yeah, Greg, can I follow just on the, on the difficulties during COVID? Um, sure. You know, how much has that sort of changed the way you guys are doing scouting or, or, or sort of trying to evaluate talent of, of players who, who aren't here in the United States that you can't go and see? It just it slows the process a little bit because, you know, as we have a lot of the dollars that we have to spend are in the TAM category. I mean, these are not insignificant spaces that we're talking about filling. And so we want to do diligence. It's not an easy time to do diligence because that includes trying to meet with the player face to face, ideally seeing them play uh, live. It, it includes uh, a number of things that aren't so easy in the moment. Uh, we've been do, able to do that with with just about everybody that we have uh, that we've been speaking with, but it has taken a little bit of time and that's that's part of it. But we're, we're talking about adding players uh, that can be with us for three to five to seven years. So we've got to take that process uh, wisely and we've got to try to, to minimize any sort of mistakes by, by just due diligence and, and checking off all the boxes. All right, uh, there you go. Uh, Greg Vanny talking at the media conference call uh, today, Kevin. So uh, a lot of things to to sort of pull from that. And uh, for me, if you're an LA Galaxy fan, I think this is the most exciting sort of stuff that that Greg Vanny can tell you. Um, he says basically the roster is six to eight players from completion. Says He, he talked uh, earlier in saying all signings are sort of on the edge and everything is sort of there for them. So um, you can expect that once those fall into place that Vanny will get his six to eight players. Here's the interesting thing about six to eight players uh, with 25 signed um, currently to the senior team roster, uh, you know, the eight would put them um, three players over the 30. So you can expect that some of the guys who are on the fringe, uh, maybe, you know, Dunbar's or or the Fercranis or some of the younger guys who have been promoted up from Galaxy 2 to that senior team 
Vanny even talked about it, you might expect them that they're going to spend most of their minutes down with Galaxy 2, and that's how you're going to be roster compliant with all those. So uh, a lot of things to sort of go in there. But uh, again, Kevin, uh, talking about signings for three to five to six to seven years, guys who are really going to make, um, you know, sort of a, a difference on this. Um, and, you know, having said that, it's it's coming to the point where uh, they don't want to make the same mistakes that they have in the past. And so to me, this seems like a cautious approach. But with COVID in the way, everything is is a lot slower. Well, it, yeah, it brings up a couple of issues. First of all, it, it tips that Greg's hand a little bit that this is a longer rebuilding project. Now, I don't want to say a rebuilding project or reboot. Uh, Greg Vanny is obviously going to try to win. You heard Jonathan Dos Santos talk today about how he thought they were going to have a great season. So it's not the Chicago Cubs or Houston Astros go back and, you know, tear everything down, start over again. It's rebuilding while trying to accomplish something. But but Greg Vanny clearly seems to think that this is a multi-year project. And, and uh, I think he's asking the Galaxy to be patient, that there's going to be some rough patches until he gets this right. Um, that's important because when Dennis and Guillermo came in, they said three years. They said it would be a, th- a third year. We're going to be everything is going to be great. They never made it to that third year. Uh, I think Greg probably looked at that and said, uh, and he, he has the experience in Toronto. He says he likes projects. He came into Toronto. They had never made the playoffs. It took them a couple of years to get going. And then they did one MLS Cup. So um, I, I think Greg knows what it takes to do this. Uh, he's asking for uh, this to be a multi-year project. He's asking for them to go get the players that will be here throughout that. The last thing you want to do is get a, a big piece for this puzzle that you're building and then have that piece lead before the rest of the puzzle arrives. So uh, that's all very smart. The thing about the six to eight players coming in, though, they were on the field today. They were doing things. They were working out. They were uh, working on some things. Um, those six to eight players are going to miss that. And I know that you talked about they'll have time to catch up, the six weeks for opening day and all that. But every day that goes by that they miss some of this instruction, some of this teaching, they're going to be a little bit behind. And I think it's going to be tough to catch up because we know this condensed schedule. Once the season starts, there's no time for for, for uh, training sessions where you actually implement strategy. It's pretty much play, recover, uh, you know, train, put in a new game plan and move on. And there's not going to be a lot of time to instruct players on the way he wants to play. Yeah, you know, I get that. I will say that in general, MLS seems to be taking, for the most part, MLS seems to be taking a cautious approach to this season. So it's not something that I'm sitting there saying, oh, well, um, you know, the the LA, you know, the LA Galaxy are doing anything different than anybody else. I will say that, you know, so far, the, uh, the moves that the LA Galaxy have made, and I think, you know, Vanny sort of talked about it a little bit too. He talked, he says, listen, I got a y- lot of young players and I got a lot of older players. Uh, I need those guys in the middle. And he talked about the TAM signing. A lot of the dollars that they have to spend are the targeted allocation money signings. Those are big signings. And uh, so I think that they have time to get that done. You're right. You're missing days. But at the same time, um, I think everybody's trying to do this correctly and not be, you know, in, in the rush. The, the the one thing that you can certainly say is that uh, with the season getting delayed and things getting pushed back, it feels like the Galaxy have had more time to get their ducks in a row um, and so shouldn't necessarily be scrambling to get um, these. And I, I think scrambling is probably the wrong word too, Kevin. They're not scrambling. Um, they're just, it, it just takes longer. It takes longer to talk to guys. It takes longer to scout people. It takes right now um, just a lot of work in order to be able to do all of these things. Um, and that's what's slowing everything down. So the added time is, is necessary. And I, I would look at it and say, um, you know, I think the criticism is, well, other teams are getting it done. Yes, they are. 
Um, and I think that the LA Galaxy are also getting it done. You're just not seeing a lot of it. Um, and we do have one signing we can tell you about coming up here in a little bit uh, that looks like is going to get over the line here pretty rapidly. So, Well, to, but to being very methodical, and that's good because you, you can understand the temptation. We're looking at two guys. This is the guy we really want. He's going to take another couple of weeks if we can get him. This is the guy. He can come now. He's almost as good. We really want that guy. That's what you want Dennis and, and Greg to be doing, and that's what they're doing. They're saying, no, we want the guy we want. We don't want to take the guy that's available. We want the guy we want. And as far as what you said about the – there's the really talented guys and there's the really young guys. It's those guys in the middle. And and that's why MLS created allocation money. Uh, this is true in every sport. You have your superstars and you have your young minimum wage players. You don't expect a lot from the minimum wage players. They're going to take up some playing time. You just hope they don't make too many mistakes. You don't expect them – to, to, to be the game changers. Then you have your superstars. Those guys, you you know, they carry the load. Those are the guys that are supposed to win games. But it's those guys in the middle that make the difference. You know, if you have a superstar forward who's scoring six goals a game, but your midfield is terrible and you're giving up seven goals, you're going to lose. It's those guys in the middle who aren't the designated players but aren't the young guys. And, and Greg's right about that. Those are the guys that are going to make the, those are the guys that are going to win or lose championships. And you look back at those Bruce Arena years and look at those guys. That, you know, uh, Robbie Keane and David Beckham and Landon Donovan didn't win those championships. Juninho, Marcelo Sarvis, and Todd Donovan, AJ De La Garza, those were the guys that won the championships. Oh, well, I, I think they all won them. I think everybody got a ring, right? They yeah. all helped. Yeah. Well, <laughs> did you get a ring? Did I you get didn't. A ring? I didn't. I did not. I'm just, I'll wait. I'll wait in the mail. I'll just, I'll just, I'll go there looking for my Ted Lasso jersey as well. I, um, I'm checking that bear's paw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll see about that. Um, anyway, so, so yeah, I mean, that was uh, Vanny sort of talking. The, the one thing, uh, that I want to point out here is that Greg Vanny, uh, John Rojas did a did a good job and asked Greg Vanny about the allegations against Christian Pavone. Uh, sort of asked for that, and you know, uh, Vanny sort of said the same thing that we've seen, Kevin, which is that um, you know the 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 deal is there. If if Boca want to make the deal, then they can do it. He says, you know, it's been sitting there for about one or two weeks. Uh, it's the same stuff that we've been reporting about that, so it, it shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody who's been following around the podcast or or, or anything like that. Um, but, you know, uh, Christian Pavone said, you know, what are your thoughts on the allegations of the sexual assault allegations? You know, what do you think about those? And Greg Vanny said, you know, I don't know Christian personally. This is paraphrasing, but he says, you know, I, I don't know Christian personally. He goes, and I don't really know all the facts of the case in order to do that. He goes, so, you know, I don't really have an opinion on that. And to me, uh, that doesn't that doesn't work for me. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. If you're the head coach, then you have an opinion on Christian Pavone and whether or not you think he should be part of your team or not. Um, and, and maybe that's an unfair criticism because he doesn't know him. But for me, if you're willing to put this guy on your team and certainly I understand Dennis DeClosa is the general manager and he's going to make signings. But if Greg Vanny stood up and said, no, I don't want this guy on my team, then I have to imagine Dennis DeClosa would, would look elsewhere, Kevin. So, uh, I'm not, currently buying the I don't have an opinion on the sexual assault allegations uh, against Christian Pavone is that, is that fair or no, unfair yeah no I I when I read that quote I felt the same way it was a, well I felt two things first of all I felt it was a little bit of a cop-out clearly he knows more than he's letting on he knows a lot more than he's letting on even if it's hearsay even if it's something that Dennis and others have told him because you know that was his question hey Dennis is this a good is this guy a good guy what do you believe about the allegations so yeah he clearly knows more um, so that's one part of it. The second part is how else could he answer that? If he says he's, it's all untrue, the woman's making it up, you know, um, it, you know, it, this is all fabricated. And then, it, and then 
there's a smoking gun that comes out. Right. Then Vanny's toast. Yeah. If, on the other hand, if Fanny says um, the guy's a horrible human being, he probably did it. He should go to prison for life. And then Pavone winds up because Chris Klein and, and Dan Beckerman and Dennis DeClosa want him there. And he winds up on the roster. Greg Vanny can't manage him. Right. So I, yes, it was a little bit of a cop out. I don't think it was completely honest, but I don't see how he could have answered any other way, unless you want, you know, Martin Luther King to be, you know, some some guy that's all character and 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 nothing else. Yes, you want character from your head coach. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that real politic tells you that's kind of how he had to answer it today. He may have a different answer tomorrow or next week. Yeah. A- anyway, that was uh, that was a little bit. Of, uh, I thought the uh, the other thing is Jonathan Dos Santos uh, showed us his muscles uh, in in the uh, in the. Uh, he was asked how he was feeling and how he's physically feeling. He goes, "I feel great," and he gave us that he gave us the muscles. I won't do the impression because one, uh, my muscles are bigger than Jonathan's. I don't want to I don't want to scare him away. Um, but uh, Jonathan Dos Santos gave us little muscles. But the best part about that, at least in my opinion, and certainly this comes as somebody who's a non-Spanish speaker, is Jonathan Dos Santos answering questions in English and doing a very fine job, much better than my Spanish will ever be. Uh, he did it with a smile on his face, as is normally the case with Jonathan Dos Santos. Um, but that's just fun um, to to have him and see him progress through all this and and to be able to. And, and Kevin, I know in your article, you talked about Jonathan Dos Santos learning English because he wants to be able to talk to his teammates. Um, but it helps that he can talk to the press as well. And it helps that he can talk to talk to fans who who don't speak Spanish as well or do speak Spanish. Being bilingual for him is is, is such an important thing. And uh, I think it shows um it shows sort of how dedicated he is to the LA galaxy and wanting to be at the LA galaxy. And the second thing is he, he talked about it being his contract year again, and it was a focal point of his discussions. He said it from his mouth, just as you reported that he said from his own mouth, Kevin. So um, he's focused on this year. He seems, he seems ready to go. You know, he said a lot of things that interview, uh, he said he was going to try to do English. He didn't do it with me. I do speak Spanish. So that helped a little bit. I've, and make him maybe more comfortable in, in doing it in Spanish. But he told me when he came here, uh, he had two weeks of formal uh, English lessons and then said, no, this is not working. This is not the way I want to learn. He learned by watching TV with subtitles and then and just talking to people. He'd go to the supermarket, he'd go out with friends. He'd go to talk to his teammates. And he was trying to soak up as much as he, as he could. And I know from learning Spanish, the TV thing with the subtitles is really great, you, especially the news. You watch the news, there's news footage. They're talking about... Fire trucks going to a fire and they 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 call them bomberos. Well, you figure out bomberos are firefighters. It's, right. You know, it's pretty simple. But Jonathan de- deserves a, a you know a lot of credit. He didn't have to do this. He's a Mexican national team star. Uh, he's in Southern California. There's six million Mexican Americans in Southern California. He could speak Spanish all day long. He didn't right. need to learn that. He's gonna he could go back to Mexico and be a hero. He told me he's bought a house and he wants to retire here. This is where he wants to live when his his career is over. I believe him right now. This is where he wants to be. So he's going to learn English. It's for him. It's for the team. Um, it's just all good. And it, it's really nice to see a guy who's clearly not a mercenary. He's not here to pick up a paycheck and go home. Right. No, I know. It, it certainly is. And, and, and again, um, I, I think my my pleasure with all this or, or, or my enjoyment of it, it, it comes from the fact that um, with Jonathan, we've seen him speak English to everybody before. And he's just he just never felt comfortable doing it in the press conference. Uh, and I was texting uh, one of the Galaxy PR people while the while it was going on. I go, is, is Jonathan going to do uh, questions in English? And they're like, yeah, yeah, he's going to a few at the end. I'm like, OK, cool. This is great. And he did it and he smiled. Um, and it's just I don't know. It, it's a good moment uh, just having followed Jonathan and talked to him for for so many years since he joined the L.A. Galaxy in 2017 um, and, and to see that. And 
it, it's fun. It's fun for me, and and I'm sure some other reporters. Uh, I know Damian uh, Calhoun was covering, was laughing too, just and sort of big smiles, big smile on Jonathan's face, big smile on the people who were sort of watching him. And he did a great job, and and he'll continue to do that. But I think. Um, again, it shows some some dedication to to where he wants to be and how he wants to do things, Kevin. And that's uh, that's an interesting sort of look. And he talked about knowing that they have to do things differently this year and they have to be better and that he wants to win with the LA Galaxy, not only because the team deserves it, but because the fans deserve it. And, you know, it seems that he's taking that to heart right now. Well, and let's let's just go on down this road a little bit further. A lot of people that are bilingual in Southern California, and there's a ton of them. They're probably looking at this and say, what's the big deal? Well, those people grew up in a Spanish-speaking household and in an in a English-speaking society. Both languages come natural to them. Jonathan grew up in Mexico, played his whole career in Spain, has never lived in a country where Spanish was at the dominant, you know, primary language. And he's come here, and he's a professional with a reputation, making a lot of money. Uh, one screw-up that you or I could laugh at and some reporter in the back decides they're going to go to town on Jonathan. Right. It, it could embarrass him. It could, you know, it, it the downside to this is huge. We, you and I are, get the upside and Damien does and the other guys that are there every day. And I don't think there's anybody with a mean bone that's going to burn Jonathan if he makes a mistake. If anything, we'll clean it up for him. Um, and that's not something that, you know, reporters do that. Yes. If we're speaking to the guy in his second language, he gets a little bit extra. And yep. that's the same with Iranian players or whomever. Um but but that that doesn't mean every reporter does that. You know there are people that are out there to embarrass the players, and so the 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 downside to this for Jonathan is so huge. And I've seen it with other athletes, especially Japanese athletes in baseball. A guy like uh, Hideki Matsui, um, Ichiro, to the end of his career, never never let on that he spoke perfect English. He speaks Spanish too. He would do every all his interviews in Japanese with a translator. Hideki Matsui would talk to you all day long about what he had for dinner, where he went, what movies he likes, his favorite uh, rock artist. But if you wanted to ask him a baseball question, he'd bring a translator over. He wasn't going to take a chance of an on-the-record interview embarrassing him. Jonathan's decided to blow past all that. I think, it's, I, I think it says something – I don't want to get too big on this, but I think it says something a little bit about his trust for us as well, which is a nice compliment. But also the fact that it, all the credit goes to Jonathan. He's applying himself. He's taking the risk. He's trying to be a good teammate. Uh, he's trying to be a good employee of the Galaxy. Uh, right now, it's a win-win. And and um, I don't think he has to worry about embarrassing himself either. I think his English is really, really good. And his Spanish is okay, too. Yeah, that's what that's what I heard. Uh, no, he, he, he's he been doing great. So, uh, again, fun to sort of see the thing. Uh, the only guy who I kind of expected to be at the opening day call was Javier Chicharito Hernandez. Um, I will imagine that they're probably going to tee him up here in the first couple of weeks, though. So, uh, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't read too much into that. They have. Uh, they have their guys. They picked them. They got them in. I think you're going to see a little switch up of uh, some different guys who come in for week two uh, for the media conference calls, that type of thing. So just sort of keep an eye on that. Again, uh, Galaxy training Monday through Thursday this week. Team off on Friday. Doesn't say anything about Saturday or Sunday right now. If they update that, we'll let you know. Um, uh, let's see. I got two sort of breaking news items that we were able to sort of provide for you today. I won't certainly take credit for this one because it was it was on a schedule. I just asked about it. Uh, but we got a little sneak peek at at least one of the games the LA Galaxy will be at uh, playing this preseason schedule that they have going on. Um, 
March 20th, the LA Galaxy, that is the senior team, LA Galaxy, not the USL team. Just want to make sure it's not LA Galaxy 2. This is the senior team. Uh, looks like they'll be playing uh, against San Diego, Lo- San Diego Loyal, uh, Landon Donovan's team that he coaches uh, down in the USL. So that's on March 20th, the LA Galaxy. will do that. I got that confirmed by the LA Galaxy. I'm not sure where it's going to be. I don't know what time it is. Um, so none of the details are sort of there yet, but on 320, the LA Galaxy will play uh, the San Diego Loyal. And as of right now, the Loyals say uh, that there is no, uh, there are no plans to broadcast that or stream that game. So uh, sort of they should play at Camp Pendleton, right in between neutral turf. Yeah, you could do that. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a, you know, if it's going to be closed door, all you need is a soccer field, right? I mean, you don't need anything anything major for that. So. Beach soccer, beach yeah. soccer. That's the perfect. That works too. Um, so anyway, so that is something that is coming up. So you can keep an eye out for that. Let's get a little bit deeper into some LA Galaxy news. Uh, and I, I think I've done a pretty good job of teasing uh, this signing all the way through now. Um, the LA Galaxy, and, and COG has learned this, and it was something we reported today. Uh, the LA Galaxy are on the cusp of signing uh, 28-year-old German-American uh, Derek Williams, who is a center back slash left back, uh, currently playing for Blackburn Rovers, also currently injured. Um, and so, uh, it is my understanding, uh, that he, uh, he is in the United States, uh, that he was at least, uh, going through physicals and stuff with the LA galaxy as they were going through that. Um, and that they basically are just waiting on the, on the day to announce him and, and sort of bring him in. So for those of you who said they were going to sign another center back, uh, you were right. And I was wrong. Um, so you get, you get that one. I don't know if that's a, that's a huge thing. Uh, but when you look at this player, Kevin, uh, a guy who was playing in the English championship, uh, a guy who has a, a background at Aston Villa, um, and, uh, Bristol city, I think down in, uh, in league one, um, and then up with, uh, Blackburn Rovers in the championship. Uh, he has a bunch of games under his belt. He is a, I said, German American. Uh, let's see. His father is American. His mom is Irish. Uh, he was born on a base, I think, in Germany. Grew up in Ireland. Hamburg, I think. Yeah, yeah. Hamburg or Hanover. Um, so an H. Yeah, I, I think you're right, Hamburg. Um, and uh, grew up in Ireland. Is eligible to play and does play for the Irish national team because of his mother. Three caps. Yep. Three caps. Three caps. The latest in November of 2019. Um, and so, and he has, I, we, and, and we imagine he has an American passport as well, which means that he is, uh, will not take up an inter- international slot. So, uh, the LA galaxy. Now this is twice. You had Jonathan bond, Kevin, who has sort of the dual nationality, um, is able to come in and not play for an international slot. Uh, it looks like Derek Williams is going to be the same way. Somebody and Dennis had hinted at this. Um, I think a couple times whenever I've at least talked to him is that there's that they have a list of these guys and they were sort of keeping an eye on these guys and um, the guys with dual nationality, the guys who can come in and play for in major league soccer without taking up an international slot. Um, they had a list of these guys and they're going out and they're scouting them and they're signing them. So um, it, it shows a strategy because as of right now, I think I have the LA galaxy at basically three of eight international slots being taken up. Well, I, I want to give Dennis credit for that because uh, his work with the Mexican um, national team, uh, you know, as a youth development guy, one of his things was to look at dual nationals, especially in the U.S., guys who could compete for Mexico that were overseas, and again, especially in the U.S., but in other countries as well. But there is a certain formula, there's a certain way you do this, and I think um, I don't want to give Dennis too much credit because if he was really that good at it, why didn't he do it the last two years when Guillermo was here? Maybe Guillermo had a different 
sort of profile he was looking at. But certainly Dennis knows how to do this, and I think he's been very successful. I think they should introduce this guy on on St. Patrick's Day, March 17th. I think that would be the, the perfect time to introduce him. But another thing that you didn't mention is his contract runs out June 1st. Right. The fact that he is – and he's played 250 games between League One, the championship, um, which is the second tier in England, and he has one cap in the Premier League with Austin Villa. Um, his contract runs out June 1st. Uh, he's probably not going to play for Blackburn because of the injury and stuff. He could, uh, you know, uh, by the time he maybe gets healthy, April, May, their season's pretty much over. Um, getting him off the books helps them. Um, it's, I think he's probably going to wind up coming as a free transfer, which is yet another good thing the Galaxy did. They got a dual national, a guy with uh, experience playing in, in, in some of England's biggest leagues, and uh, he's going to be free. Yeah, that's- And he's 28. Yeah, and he's tw- he's twenty eight. He's got now. I mean, you know, uh, we're assuming right now. We're guessing on the transfer if there's a transfer fee. If there is one, I would imagine it's not very high. So um, that's something else to sort of uh, look at. But the other thing is that he's coming in and he's injured. He picked up a quad injury uh, playing with uh, with the Rovers. There uh, sort of came, you know, was off. I think for about six weeks, from what I can tell, um, and then had to come back because the uh, Blackburn w- was having some some problems with injuries, and so they needed him if he was available. And so, uh, you know, according to sort of reports, they they allowed him to to come back if he wanted to. Uh, he said he wanted to, and then he ended up hurting the quad injury uh, even worse. Ended up having to have surgery, uh, apparently, to attach the muscle back to uh, to to the bone. Um, in some cases, it's it's not a great injury, but at the same time, uh, they expected I think him to be out two to three months. You're looking at a guy who should be relatively good to go, um, at least back into training, probably in the next you know four weeks or so. Uh, that's at least the expectation right now. Uh, we're expecting the LA Galaxy to make this announcement. Basically, uh, it could be any day now, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if it even falls into next week. Everything's been taking, I think, a little bit longer. Um, so just sort of uh, keep your eyes out there and and, and sort of uh, be ready for that announcement. But at least you know uh, where you heard it first here on Corner of the Galaxy uh, that the LA Galaxy uh, will be signing this uh, this player. So barring any last minute like unforeseen things. Yes, Kevin. I have some news. I have yes. some news. Yes, go for it. People have been asking about Dominic Kinnear. Um, I found out Dominic Kinnear is not going to have a role with the Galaxy. He is under contract, as uh, all the other coaches that were fired last year uh, were also under contract, get paid one more year. I don't know what Dominic's contract terms are. I expected, you know, the Galaxy have had this habit, like when Dan Kennedy was retired. Uh, he stay, He had a contract. He could have walked away. He could have done anything. Galaxy had to pay him. They carved out a front office spot for him, and – he was able to transition into a very good TV career there for a little while. Um, I thought Dominic would do something. I thought, you know, he's kind of a soccer gym rat. A guy can't be away from the game. I thought maybe he would do scouting, maybe work in the academy. That that may come. But right now, he's, as I understand it, he's at home, away from the team. He does not have a role with the team uh, and is collecting a paycheck. He probably has, as Kurt Anoffo did, uh, probably has a non-compete clause, which means that if he signs – to do similar work with another team uh, that the Galaxy stopped paying him. So it behooves uh, Dom to continue to take a paycheck without working because once he signs up, then he loses that money. Um, But that's where he is right now. He's at home, probably watching soccer tapes on TV, probably scouting people, but he's not getting paid for it. 
Uh, it's uh, it, it, you know, in a way, I'm not surprised. I think I said I said one of those things. You always thought that he would stay, and I was always like, I'd stay home and, and collect the paycheck. Um, you know, maybe that's me. Uh, and I understand why you said that as well. You're not wrong in terms of uh, Dominic Kinnear and wanting to work and and always sort of uh, putting the time in. Uh, but it's sad to see Dominic Kinnear no longer with the LA Galaxy. I, you know, I can't hang any of this on Dominic Kinnear from what I can see. And he did everything the LA Galaxy asked him to do over and over again. So uh, a really good sort of soldier for for the Galaxy through Siggy um, and through the Gamer Barrichello, uh, you know, coaching ten years yeah. there. Well, he had a role with Guillermo. He was the English translator. He was also the MLS whisperer because Guillermo and his staff didn't know much about MLS. Dominic's second winning, uh, third winning as coach in MLS history. Um, he'll retire now tied with Bob Bradley for the third winning as coach in regular season MLS history. He had a role with Guillermo. He doesn't have that role with Greg Vanny. I think it would have been a little bit more uncomfortable. I think, um, you know, Dom would have had to walk softly because they didn't want to intimidate Greg and make it look like he was going for a great job. I think Greg would have had to be careful not to insult Dom, not to respect him. It just would have been a bad situation. I think there would have been a lot of things that weren't said that were assumed by people outside, and uh, it, it, it probably wouldn't have worked. Now, if he had gone to the Academy or Galaxy 2, that's, that's a little bit below his pay grade, but certainly he could have been a great teacher with some of the young kids Galaxy 2. Probably do that. So, yeah, I mean, uh, it's great for Dom. He was a, beyond a great soldier. He did everything they asked, as you said, and did it very well. Twice an interim coach without getting the job on the back end. Um, and, you know, I, I just he didn't fit in with the kind of staff that Greg wants to put together. Uh, he's a young guy. He's in his mid-50s. He's going to wind up somewhere. Yeah. You haven't heard the last of him. He's going to add to that win total for sure. Uh, yeah, it, it certainly seems that way. Um, and I'm sure he'll make a good head coach for somebody who is who is looking for that uh, down the road. And again, uh, you know, you Sacramento. Know, yeah, <laughs> if they ever make it to Major League Soccer, certainly uh, could be. So yeah, so uh, there, there's Dominic Kinnear. Let's finish up our, our last uh, a, a little bit of news, um, and it has to do with the uh, U.S. Uh, men's national team and their Olympic qualifying bid. Remember, it's a 23 and under roster. Uh, Greg, uh, I was going to say Greg Berhalter, but it's not. Jason Christ put out his 30 man, 31 man 31. roster. Why is it 31? That's stupid. Why? Like, what? Who came up with that number? Why? It could be 30. It could be 32. But why 31? I don't really care. I didn't. I didn't. Well, it's going to be 20. It's going to be 20 when they start the tournament. Isn't that nuts? That a full Olympic roster is 20 players. That's that's not that many players. It, you know what it is for women? Eight, 18, and two of them have to be goalkeepers. Good Lord. That's a that's a lot. Okay, anyway. So uh, eventually pairing down to the 20-man roster, uh, Julian Rajo uh, made this list, the 31-man roster. So did Jonathan Klinsman. So both of those players uh, are down in Guadalajara with the, uh, the U23 U.S. Men's National Team uh, Olympic qualifying uh, group here. Um, and so you, you should not expect to see them in any of the training videos that we have uh, there in Guadalajara. They're doing their thing. Uh, that th that tournament itself actually starts in uh, in the middle of March, so March 18th. And before all of that happens, as Kevin says, it has to come down to uh, 20 players. So we'll see if Araujo and Klinsman make the final cut there. Uh, but they're at least in the in the finalist uh, section of this uh, as as Jason Christ gets ready for this tournament. You know, not there. Uh, Efrain Alvarez. Yeah, I was going to say that is the uh, that is the one, and that was the question mark, right? That was Efrain Alvarez called both into Mexico's uh, Mexico's camp and the United States's camp. Uh, Araujo uh, choosing uh, to go to Mexico. I mean, without with the with his 
inclusion or, or his his exclusion from the U.S. men's national team uh, list there. Uh, and Greg Berhalter saying, uh, you know, Efrain's a player that we're working with and talking with about making, as we said from the very, very beginning, a very difficult personal decision. He decided not to make that decision yet. And and not making that decision means that he stays with Mexico because he is cap tied right now to Mexico in terms of, uh, you know, his his nationalities. And he can make a one time switch, Kevin. But if he makes a one time switch, he has no options left. He would be with the United States then from there on out. So the smart move for him uh, is to to not make that decision yet and stay with Mexico, because when you're with Mexico, you have the choice of going to Mexico or the United States. Uh, if you go and change to the United States, you can't go back to Mexico. You've made your decision. So he needs to see how this plays out. Well, and he's cap tied because he played in a FIFA championship tournament. It was an age group tournament. I think it was the U-17 World Cup, but he did that that counted to cap tie him. Usually most players have to play in a senior competitive game uh, to be cap tied. But when you look at the two rosters, yes, uh, Julian Araujo as a right back is competing against, uh, for the, the main national team now, would be competing against guys like Serginho Danson and, and, De- and DeAndre he comes back. There's certainly competition there. But when you look at the players, the young players that uh, Efrain Alvarez would be keep competing against on the senior national team, it is, uh, you know, we're talking about Weston McKinney at Juventus. We're talking about, you know, depending on where he gets played, maybe he winds up competing with Christian Pulisic, um, you know, with uh, Sebastian Legette. There's Josh Sargent. Then you got uh, Matthew Hopp. And uh, it's just an incredible list. Gio Reyna, all these attackers that the U.S. has that are all right in that age range uh, around where Efrain is. Um, you know, he would be looking, he could be looking at 15 years of, of, uh, of trying to get uh, – some playing time with that national team. Conversely, look at Mexico. Yes, they're, they're a great team. They're ranked in the top 10 right now, but that team is a veteran team. Very few uh, young players coming up. You know, there's one or two. Um, certainly not the the depth of talent, young talent that the U.S. has. So that's another thing I think Efrain is probably looking at is where do I fit in best? Where, where can I get more playing time? Where can I influence them? Sure, the U.S. may wind up at some point being a better team than Mexico. Mexico is the better team right now. But, it, you know, at, if Efrain's watching the team play from the sidelines, it doesn't really matter how good they are if he's not getting to play. So, yeah, I, I think he's I think he's being very smart, and I think you're right. I don't think we've heard the last of this yet. I think there's, there's be some more negotiations going on uh, going forward. One thing that's interesting about this World Cup qualifying tournament is you play with this U23 team, and a lot of the guys like Serginho Dez, like Weston McKinney, like, uh, uh, you know, uh, Gio Reyna, they're not released from the European teams. They right. can't play in the qualifiers. So this team will qualify. And then the team that goes to the Olympics, if there is an Olympics in July, may be a completely different team. And the team that the U.S. could put on the field, if you just look at their under-23 twenty under 23 guys, it could be an amazing team. Yeah. Um, those guys, it, but it, it's weird. It's the U.S. has to qualify with another team, and then they get to bring the A team to Japan. Yeah, it, it's very interesting, and and certainly a lot of uh, a lot of MLS stuff going on. I think Atlanta didn't allow their three players that were uh, called into uh, into this camp to be released, basically keeping them for the CCL. Uh, the CONCACAF Champions League that they're trying to prepare for under a new coach and, you know, a whole bunch of things. Uh, in my opinion, a very short-sighted, short view of things, but uh, they've made their bed, and, and that's what it is. The LA Galaxy didn't have to release Klinsman and didn't have to release, release Araujo for this. Uh, so keep that in mind um, with these Olympic qualifiers and sort of how that goes. Um, but we'll be watching to see basically how Julian Araujo does, does and uh, Efrain Alvarez, and then, of course, uh, Jonathan Klinsman. So keep an eye on those guys. If you're there missing from any of the stuff, that is 
that's why they're missing uh, because they are down uh, with the U23s getting ready for this tournament in uh, Guadalajara. So uh, they'll be ro- ready to rock and roll here in, in Mexico in the middle of March. Um, so it's going to be an interesting time time for all that. So um, that's uh, I, I think that's it, Kevin. I think we covered a whole bunch of stuff, which is nice because we actually had news to talk about. Um, I would imagine that uh, there is more stuff as the week goes on. You heard Greg Vanny talking about having some signings lined up, uh, six to eight players. Uh, he didn't say that name for, you know, just out of the blue. As a matter of fact, we said at one point, Kevin, I think five to nine players, the LA Galaxy were ready to sort of bring in and, you know, that would happen. Uh, it seems like it's just taking longer than I think everybody expected it to do. I, I think Greg Vanny sort of explained that again today. Um, so, you know, if you're waiting for signings, they're there. They, they, they should be coming, um, you know, relatively in a short period of time. But what, you know, in the next month is probably a relatively short period of time to, to get all of those signings across the line. But it feels like they, they've sort of got them lined up. I've got some homework for you that yes. you can do in the next week. And you can you, you, you can cheat off someone else's paper and oh, it's open book and just bring your results back next week. You talked about 31 players have to be cut down to 20 mm-hmm. uh, on the men's side. You look at the women's national team, they have to cut it down to 18, 16 outfield players. I want you to pick a roster. Who do you leave out? Which forward do you not take? Do you not take uh, Tobin Heath? Do you not take Lynn Williams? Do you leave Alex Morgan home because she's now 32? Um, How do you put that team together? And then with your leftover players, you can make up a B team that will win the silver medal. Yeah. And Tobin. Well, well, and the fun and the interesting thing about that is certainly on the women's side, it's not a U23 tournament. It's a it's a full team tournament. It's not it's not limited. So it's a totally different set of rules. Um, And, you know, uh, the Olympics did that on the men's side, I think, to protect the World Cup. But the women have a World Cup as well. So, you know, eventually are we going to see Olympic qualifying come back to where, uh, you know, it it almost feels like it's like the dream team where it used to just be, you know, amateur athletes and the professionals couldn't play it. And now you go and look at what the Team USA does in in, in basketball and things like that. Um, You know, it's professional athletes and it's the it's the best players in the world. And they do that because it's a spectacle. Uh, Eventually, do they do that on the men's side again um, because it's certainly paid off for the women's side. Uh, I think yeah, the, the, the women's tournament there, there is, is no, so much fun to watch. There is no other tournaments, the world cup and this, they don't, uh, you know, they're having a European championship. Now it's not to this level. Uh, besides the best team is the U S uh, there's great teams in South America. They don't play in that tournament. Yeah. So this is the second best tournament. It's, it's just that much behind the world cup and the European powers will all be there for the first time. They didn't used to take this seriously. They didn't take the world cup seriously. The, the European women's teams, they are, are the Olympics rather. They are taking it seriously. Now it will be a great tournament. So we will look forward to seeing your 18 woman, 16 outfield player team next week. All right. Very good. Uh, if you're looking for Mr. Uh, Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at K Baxter 11 and head over, head on over to latimes.com. Uh, Kevin's had a lot of stuff in the paper about the LA galaxy via Fania, Jonathan Dos Santos, Chicharito, uh, you know, uh, Julian Araujo has been in there as well. So, um, you're missing out if you're not over at the LA times, getting those articles, uh, and subscribe to his newsletter as well. All right. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at Jay Gessman, J G U E S M A N. And of course at galaxy podcast, corner of the galaxy, it's where you can find all of our articles, all of our breaking news, our podcasts, our videos, all that stuff. Cornerofthegalaxy.com. For Mr. Kevin the Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Pato Guessman, and you've been watching and listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on Cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on Cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. 
And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody. <laughs>